Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. I'm so excited to bring you another episode. This week, my guest is Miranda Sawyer, who is one of my favourite writers and authors. She regularly writes for The Observer and The Mirror. Her first writing job was at Smash Hits in 1988, then Select Magazine, where she won a PPA award for Writer of the Year. And during the 90s, she had a column in Time Out magazine, and she also wrote for The Face. She makes documentaries for Radio 4, and she interviews musicians and artists for The Culture Show. A while ago, she wrote a book called Park and Ride, and most recently, her new book is called Out of Time, which came out this year. It's a very modern look at the midlife crisis. It's a memoir that delves into the truth and lies and experiences and how to survive it and how a midlife crisis doesn't necessarily mean running off with a Pilates teacher or spending thousands of pounds on a trip to Bali to find yourself. I've had the pleasure of attending a few events that Miranda has hosted or chaired, and she is just so brilliant and engaging and funny, and so I loved recording this episode with her. We talked about life, family, careers, money, and what a quiet and subtle midlife crisis can look like. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I loved it. And here it is. I'm here with Miranda Sawyer in her lovely kitchen with a really nice cup of coffee from a new coffee machine. It's very new. (laughs) You're privileged. I feel very privileged. Thank you so much. So I loved your book. I know I'm technically not maybe like you said the kind of key demographic, but mm. I learned so much from it, and I f- and thank you for sharing your wisdom. <laughs> You're making me. me feel like I'm 90. <laughs> like my wisdom, I have so much to pass down to you, young folk. <laughs> I was saying that I was highlight bits that um, you know strike a chord with me, mm. and I was just like highlighting everything. Like remember this. <laughs> um, so I wondered um, what the kind of first catalyst moment was to be like. I'm going to write this book. Um, I suppose. I think uh, with a book like this, so it's essentially about, I suppose it's about midlife crisis, but, uh, well, it is about midlife crisis, but um, I, what happened was there was a kind of, I had a feeling for quite a while and I couldn't really locate what the feeling was, you know, these, these, you know, you're busy getting on with your life, aren't you? And um, then I had my second child late. So I had her when I was nearly 44. So that is old. (laughs) And what that does, if you have, I mean, you know, it does at any age, but particularly at that age, uh, when you have a child, A, A, everything stops because you're looking after the kid, and B, it makes you assess where you are in your life. And I just started doing the death maths. I started working out how long I'd got left to live, you know, and how old I would be when she left home. And given the fact that we live in London, she'd probably come back. If she wanted to go to university, maybe she'd come back. And I was just thinking, oh, my God, that's it. My life is over. I've got to spend, you know, the next at least you know 16 years but possibly 24 years bringing up children and then what have I got left I'm 44 so then I'll be 68 so that's the end of my life mm. and I and I and it was a proper kind of feeling of uh this is very common in middle age it's a feeling of um is this it so you've got to middle age and you expected something whatever that something is and you haven't got it and um, then the other feeling is I've done it all wrong, which is what I was feeling. I was thinking like I should have had my kids younger. I should have like sorted my life out. Uh, I haven't done it right, and now I, there is no time to do it. Because mm. I, it's funny that um, that you say that's old. Because I guess I have so I have half sisters, mm. and they're your age. Yeah, and they to me are so 
young. I feel like everyone's younger. Yeah. You know, when when I'm when I was little, when I thought of like forty, I would think, oh, that's old. Yeah. And then I feel like, is it Generation X? Yeah, um, that's what we are. We're, I'm a Generation X. Yeah, which yeah. is the generation that I've read is um, like 90s drugs, yeah. party, <laughs> loads of fun. Yeah, that's it. Um, but then do you think that it's not that old? It isn't that old because what I've realised is actually when it comes to age, I mean, I certainly don't agree that idea that age is just a number. It isn't. There are physical changes that happen to you mm-hmm. at different stages of your life. Um, but there is... Um, there, is a, there has been a change, and you could put it down to kind of Generation X as well. Um, there has been a change in terms of how you are regarded at certain mm-hmm. stages of your life. So that it's a bit more mixed up. And the reason why um, people in their 20s, for instance, I feel quite sorry for people in their 20s, is because all the roles have been mixed up. So because people of my age will, or younger, I suppose, will go to a festival and take their kids and possibly get more trash than their kids. It's harder for their kids to work out where they are. Mm-hmm. And actually, equally, it's hard for people my age to work out where they are. So if you grew up in the 90s and you, uh, well, you know, not grew up, if you had your kind of high life, your 20s in the 90s, then um, there was a sense that you had won, that you'd done it right. So that, you know, when people like you know oasis get invited to number 10 or when people are traveling from america to come to see manchester because of manchester or you know when kate moss becomes a model or train spotting becomes a massive film you feel like oh yeah we're doing it right Mm. all the things that we believe in which is basically going out and you know having a good time but also being quite welcoming to normal people ordinary people i suppose you want to say um that we are right and We've changed the culture and the culture is now ours. That's fine. So you feel essentially, or we felt essentially in the 90s that we were right and it was always going to be okay. And that if you worked in some, the I don't know, you call it cultural sector now, I don't know, but if you worked in clubbing or fashion or magazines or writing or films, anything creative, then you could do that for a long time. And the internet happened. Mm -hmm. And basically the internet messed a lot of that stuff up yeah. and the only thing it didn't really mess up actually is um, fine art I think because fine art is about only one thing that's very precious but everything else really is about uh, reproduction so you know I'm a, if I write an article if it gets sent all over the world then that's not an exclusive article you know it's kind of worthless so um, that changed those careers which seemed like they might lead to something so that you could make more money um, they they didn't they flatlined or they went down and also having a career like that in your 40s is very different from having it in your 20s so in your 20s you think oh brilliant I've got to drive up the M1 at 11 o'clock and you know play to some students or whatever in the middle of the night or I'm a comedian and doing the same thing or I've got to fly to you know I don't know Miami and interview a DJ all those things are really brilliant in your 20s in your 40s they're less so yeah that scares me a little bit because I've been in London for like seven years now I remember the first day I arrived in London it was like shiny lights everything like i went to the pub in islington and was like i'm in a pub in islington <laughs> like i'm having a london drink and it was and, and i remember that and now i don't really i don't really find it that exciting yeah anything. but then also i will say if you leave london and come back you do think oh my god i'm back in london it's amazing that's really brilliant <laughs> it's less to do with it's weird it's, it's not so much to do with getting used to it it's to do with you do you do change so mm. even if you are interested in youth culture and excited by new things and 
all the things which I still am, you just change a bit. You know, I'm in my 40s. You, I'm tireder. You know, mm-hmm. I need more sleep. I have two children, which I have to bring up. You know, that's the deal. And the, the, your life just changes. So the circumstances around you change and you change kind of physically. You, you, so you can't do those things as yeah. easily. And your priorities shift. And you, I think when you're in your 20s, you, or when maybe when it was just me, but I just thought my priorities wouldn't change. And fundamentally, they haven't. Mm. So I haven't got particularly more right-wing as I've got older or anything like that. But there's a, there's a level of energy that you lose in your 40s that you can't, you can't live with that kind of rush all mm-hmm. the time that you could in your 20s, which yeah. is what kept me going for a really long time. You need a different kind of energy to get through bringing up kids and get mm. through your 40s. It's, and, you know, sitting on the phone to BT for an hour and a half, that you need a different energy, yeah. you know. Well, that bit in the book where you say, you know, there's a lot of noise, there's, like, more yeah. noise in a way because, that, you know, like you say, there's... If you're sorting out two kids all day, you know, where do you fit in anything else? The weird thing is, actually, you become really efficient. You become quite brutal with right. your time. But, you know, I write, you know, so I've got a finite amount of time to do stuff and yeah. I do it in that time because otherwise I'm doing it in the middle of the night and I can do it in the middle of the night, but it's hard work. So I do it in that time and that's what happens with all parents. And that's fine. The thing I find hard is the fact that if having spent years as a freelancer, which is all what I, it kind of suited the way that I was, is once you have kids, when they go to school, they have a routine. And it's not like the kind of routine that people talk about having a baby routine or anything like that. It's just a routine. They have to get to school at a certain time or they're marked down late. And, you know, too many lates, there's a problem, you get called in. So you have an imposed routine. It's not even imposed by them, it's imposed by a school, which is the worst. (laughs) And you have to live in that routine. And I find, you know, lots of people deal with that great, really well. I find that personally really hard. The Mm -hmm. fact that I know every time how... You know, I have to get up at this time every day. To it's just not hidden. It's just like, and I know that's pathetic. And some people deal with it really well and actually relish routine. I find it really hard. And I find it makes time go really fast, which makes me scared as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't really, I just don't really enjoy it. But I think it's interesting, you know, if you think about people in their 20s now, um, I think they have it, they have it circumstantially tough, like in terms of rent and uh, and if you wanted to buy a flat or all those kind of things, I think living is harder. And I think generally jobs are harder and qualifications harder. I just think it's a lot harder. And that has made a lot of people in their 20s have to be more adult. And so it's quite re- weird because you look at people in their 20s and they seem just as adult, if not more adult, than people in their 40s. Because yeah. those generations have been quite mixed up, you know. Now. Like the amount of um, like YouTube uh, videos that are like, you know, how to make your living room look nice you know it's, it's yeah. very it's very homely a you lot know what the... it is it's the death of saturday morning telly like saturday morning telly used to be when i was young it was about like pop music and cartoons and stupid mm. games and all you know it was about pop culture and now it's either about football or bloody cooking i mean who cares can i just say i hate bake-off i hate cooking it's I just don't, i don't watch bake-off i don't i'm I, it's irrelevant it's nice if you like cooking it is not important and the the, the all these kind of domestic programs location 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 grand designs there's all this stuff about houses and living beautifully within your house i mean really and that i think has affected the entire generation they've been watching that stuff all the way through and they weren't watching top of the pops and stupid pop shows like we were which was the stuff that seemed exciting to us they were watching 
stuff about how to make your home yeah. nice. I mean, really. I interviewed Gemma Kearney for this, yeah. and she said um, she misses the 90s TV because everyone was a little bit more grimy. Like yeah, everyone was yeah, a little bit more style. like. Well, it was actually filthy. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. if you, uh, if you see it... that, you don't feel as bad about yourself. You're like, yeah. I look like that. Yeah, but also, because it's really quite basic. If you grew up in the kind of 80s or whatever, I mean, we didn't have a shower. Nobody had a shower. That was kind of American. When you did have a shower, it was like, it was just really, it's, my mum and dad have still got one like this now. It's really crap. You know, those plastic ones you click, clunk, clunk twice and then a really pathetic uh, kettle <laughs> comes down. And because it's up north, you're cold. So you don't stay in there very long. And when you're really, if you're as old as me, when you're really young, you didn't have that many baths because it cost money. Yeah. You know, and it was cold in the bathroom. So actually, people were physically dirtier. That's so interesting because now it's like you know, everyone's clean. Everyone Instagrams candles around their bath and you know, things. <laughs> Honestly, people, yeah, yeah, rubbish. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, but people are really, really clean. So and they expect, you know, possibly reasonably, but they expect you know fantastic power showers in their flats and stuff like that. You know, mm. I mean, until we I bought this flat, which was ninety nine, I lived uh, in various places, mostly in Brixton actually, um, and. The last flat that we had that I shared with my two friends, the ceiling fell in on the bathroom and the landlord was so crap that he did nothing about it and the ceiling was held up by the shower rail. Like it kind of fell down and just landed on the shower rail so it was kind of held up by the shower rail. And if you went to the toilet, you had to wear a cycling helmet in case it fell down on your head. And not being funny, but that was quite normal for us. But also the story of when you bought the black cab yeah. and, and drove around. I feel like our people doing exciting things anymore because I think they're just staying in their houses and lighting they, candles yeah god yeah really don't light candles my flat burnt down in nineteen ninety. you never light a candle in your flat ever is my advice because um, to be a writer surely you have to live an interesting life because this is exactly. every page of this book is like oh my god that happened you know that's just something else that happened one day yeah. something exciting I would say generally if you want to be a writer I think style is obviously very important but you can learn style honestly you can learn style you know when I started I was not qualified to be a writer I'd done I'd done maths and further maths and French at A level and I'd done law as a degree so I was not a writer the reason why I did maths and further maths is because I never wanted to write an essay again the irony (laughs) and so I wasn't qualified to be a writer at all but I really was obsessed with smash hits and I got the job and I just copied the best writer in the room who was Sylvia Patterson I just tried to be like her and Tom Hibbert and you just learn it on the job you can pick up style through reading but you can't pick up experiences unless you bother to go out and my advice to anyone in their 20s and it is hard because I do think people are skinter now is just go out I mean honestly go out forget about having a career just go out you will meet people if you if you go out you know I meet people all the time now that I knew 20 25 years ago whatever and you ask you know you ask them, will they do something? They've got connection to something else. That, honestly, mm-hmm. just go out. And it's not mm-hmm. networking. It's just yeah. having a laugh and living your life. And then you've got experience and you've got something to write about, you know? Yeah. I always think um, whenever people are like, oh, you know, how do you... I find it quite ironic when people say, like, how do you get a blog to be popular? Or how do mm. you, you know, get in this job? Or how do you do that? And everyone thinks, like, you have to do this, like, weird online networking thing. Mm. The truth is, it's all in real life. It's yeah. all events. It's chatting. It's going to a random talk or, yeah just going out honestly just going genuinely out. going out I think it's I think it's underrated <laughs> I don't yeah. know what's happened but maybe because of yeah. location 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 and bake-off and all this rubbish people think that going out is not such a good thing anymore it's just the best thing just yeah. go out you don't need any money wander around that's what I used to do <laughs> you know I used yeah. to think oh god I can't I used to go out all the time so badly that when I was in my 
twenties, I got um, <laughs> I got a job presenting a youth show, which was uh, filmed in Deptford, uh, and I presented it with a comedian called Paul Tonkinson, and it was a really good laugh. It was every I can't remember when we recorded, maybe on a Monday or a Tuesday. And we got all the local youth of Deptford to come in. And it was very 90s. We had great comedians on there. We had, like, Alan Davis and, you know, you know, lots of really great people. And we had, like, the Manic Street Preachers and we had Naughty by Nature and we had Blur and we had, like, great bands. And then we had this bit in the middle where we, I would take a microphone and go around and ask, like, important questions of the kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad it was. <laughs> it was hilarious. But every time it went out, which was a Thursday night, what you were meant to do, obviously was watch a show and then on a Friday there would be a meeting about you know how the show worked you know what's and every Thursday night I was out and I never watched it once and I'd have to go to the meeting on Friday and I'd just sit there and that tell a load of things but yeah it's it's also in the end I think it's better because I would have been completely self-conscious so you never you never watched one episode back no and they don't and they don't live on like online no I think my mum's no I hope not my (laughs) mum's got them on um there will be some online. My mum's got them on um, video. Oh, really? Somebody sent me a link actually. And, oh god! I my, think that's so cool. My clothes were terrible. <laughs> I mean, just terrible. But you know, that's fine. Like literally, kind of really cropped white tops and trousers that look like they were made out of awful. You know, kind of like not even curtains, kind of bedspreads, <laughs> and a really badly fitting bra, as I recall. When I saw her, I was like, oh, oh my God, you could have put a proper bra on. And I had this haircut, which I loved, and I do still quite love. But my brother used to think it made me look like I'd had a lobotomy, which was like a bob with a really high fringe. <laughs> I didn't know that. I loved it. <laughs> so, but if I'd seen myself on telly at that age, when you're quite jumpy about That's what you look like. the opposite teenagers editing their spots out of place. Yeah, it's not so. very good for you. You know, even now, you know, you have to steal yourself at what you look like you know when you're my age and you you catch a grip and you think oh you know somebody sent some lovely photos of my daughter's birthday party the other week through and of course every time you see yourself there's a bit of you going oh man is that what I look like you know there's always but you have that throughout your life yeah you know, really you have that throughout your life you just have to get over it it's like a blip yeah it's like a bit of like and then you just got to go over yeah. it because that is what you look like yeah so really it is and that's the thing if people are taking photos at an event or something and you're you know chatting you yeah. know when photographers are just taking photos you know it's not a straight on photo that you've posed for it's like sorry that is what you look like from the side and also and from behind and also that it's a photo so it's a bit like you know when people change their faces on instagram or whatever and when they when <laughs> change people, their whole face well they do yeah. i remember yeah. watching i saw a girl on a on a train the other day and she got one of those highlighting apps where she just altered the whole face for like 20 minutes before she put, posted it it's really odd but also when people and this obviously happens a bit more when you're my age when people have botox and stuff like that or fillers then what you're doing is working with almost a still image so you look at yourself in the mirror and you think i would look really great if i could just pull it back here mm. and kind of fill in these eyes here and you know tighten the jawline here but there, there is no um, consideration of the fact that most of you are moving mm. or that people get um, a sense of you that's different from just your looks. You know, when I see you, you, you have a lovely face, you're dressed really beautifully, but I don't, you know, as a human being, I don't judge you from that. What I am getting from you is a sense of your personality or, your, you know, mm. people used to call it your aura, but it's not even that, or your soul. That's what people yeah. get from you. They don't just look at a photo. Exactly. And go, imagine if someone didn't smile. Yeah, you, you know, like, you instantly just kind of. It wouldn't matter how perfect you, you, it's you know the your difference skin. between different models. You know, some models seem incredibly beautiful and really dull, 
And some models seem as though they have a personality. Mm. Like Kate Moss is a classic example. She always had something about her that was quite funny. Yeah. And she looks like she has a good time all the time. Now, she doesn't even speak. You know, I have interviewed her actually before she stopped speaking. But, you know, she doesn't even speak anymore. But you get that feeling of her. Yeah. And that's nothing to do with how she looks aesthetically. It's to do with how she is. And I think that you have to just remember that it's just a photograph. People are so reward. They reward young people, like yeah. young writer publishes book, or like yeah. this, you know, like aged writer. <laughs> but it's just it is a kind of gender thing, right? Yeah. Surely, because as men get older, they get greyer, they get more wrinkly, and on billboards their wrinkles are out. David Beckham's got loads of lines on his forehead, and he's sexy. But he's just fit. He, he is I mean, so that's fit. Just ridiculous. He's <laughs> he just fit, fit all the way through. This but life. I think men do get more, you know. But then I think that's isn't that us being brainwashed? It's a bit... There are societal factors, aren't there? So, you know... Helen Mirren, my God. But she was I want to get old. She was gorgeous in the first place, you know, so she's the same. So she is David Beckham, but she's the mm. female version. There are societal versions. So, you know, in the olden idea of a man and a woman's relationship there is still the idea that the man is the provider and the woman may contribute, but she is the bringer-up of the children. And you can see that in terms of earnings. So men's earnings peak at 50, women's earnings peak at 34, right? And that's a fact. You know, that is a fact. So, you know, obviously you can book the trend, but that's the truth. Mm -hmm. So basically men have economic power until they're 50 and women have less economic power once they hit kind of 35 Mm -hmm. and we live in a capitalist society economic power is power so that's one factor and then there's the other factor which is to do with attractiveness and a woman is deemed to be attractive when she is fertile nubile you know all these things and that's actually when you're younger but the man because it's of the of, of this old-fashioned idea of the man being the economic provider and the woman being the person who brings up the kids the man is still deemed sexy when he's older mm-hmm. and so oh, right, yeah. those are the those are the factors that you're dealing with i mean they're very 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 strong stereotypes that are still held that you can't even that you know even as a as a feminist you have them in your head and you have to look at them and go okay move them aside i don't agree with that yeah you know but you but they're in your head because you were brought up like that. Because everybody is brought do up like know, that. Do you know? Do you? Because um, I saw. Did you see that play called Linda? It was on. Um, it was about a woman who. Um, how you become more invisible as you get older. It's about how you don't see on billboards like for anti-aging cream. It's like a twenty-something holding it up, and how you don't see sometimes yourself reflected back. And that's obviously across the spectrum. Yeah. And she, and it's all about how she noticed that people like just weren't as nice to her and I and I yeah. wondered if like is that true because that's petrified. yeah I would like to say that invisibility is a superpower mm. so uh, I'm quite happy I would it. want that as a superpower it's a good one yeah and uh, I am happy that I'm getting more invisible because actually what you're talking about is uh, sexual invisibility so you're talking about uh, the fact that if you walk down the road uh, and you are deemed attractive by whoever, not even, probably not even if you're deemed attractive, somebody will shout at you, somebody will judge you on a sexual scale, you know, mm. whether you're in the premiership or you're not, in, you know, you will get shouted at and you will be judged all the time. Now that does slow down. You don't get as much of it when you get older. And personally, I think great. It's, sh- it's yeah. shit, to be yeah. honest. It's shit to be judged all the time. I'm not interested and I'm not interested in having to have that choice of do I 
tell you off or do I get on with my day? Mm. You know, which everybody has to deal with. Like in that sketch, you know, you, you've fallen off the fuckability scale. Yes. Fine. Yeah. Then um, actually what happens is that you get judged by your ideas. Now, you might have to say your ideas a bit louder because you're very lightly, um, you know, in a minority in a room of blokes. That quite often happens. But actually it's your ideas that count. So I find that quite useful because I'm quite noisy. Mm-hmm. So in those situations, I think, well, fine, you know, I'm not, nobody's flirting with me. It's not even on the agenda. It doesn't matter. I'm going to say what I think, and you're going to have to judge it for yeah. what I think. And if you take my idea, which sometimes happens in meetings where people go, repeat your idea, and they take it seriously because it's a blow, you can say, I said that first, I'd just like to note. Yeah. You know, and you can say it because nobody cares because you're a middle-aged woman. That's kind of the best, isn't it? Yeah, but it's that's good. Why, that's why I do podcasts. I'm like, well, it doesn't matter what I look like. I'm just, we're talking. Yeah, it's good. It's our ideas. And also, you know, there's a freedom for, you know, because of the confidence thing, I suppose, which does increase... Um, then, you know, I care less about what I wear, I suppose, really. Because in your in the 20s, there's a kind of fashion thing going on and you're worried about what people think of you and stuff like all that kind of thing. And they're still trying to find who you are. Find who so you it's are. Like, what do I like? So I'm not going to deny that, you know, you can get disappointed about like, you know, what your body's doing or your face is doing. But in terms of clothes, I genuinely... It doesn't really matter. It, I don't care. I think that's why, though, younger people want they want to be like the people older than them. Aiming for giving no fucks, that's, yeah. that's the dream. But you you kind of do. But everybody, I don't think anybody gives no fucks because like, that's just... <laughs> yeah, then you're no kind soul. Of, yeah. Well, also, you're kind of a very, very strong person who's not affected by anything around you. And I think that we're all affected by the human beings around us and the society that we grow up in. But there is a sense that, you know... You're, quite, you're a little freer in your 40s to wear what you want. You can dress, you know, because maybe you're not dress, dressing to be sexually attractive. So you can be dressing to look rich or to look, or to be comfortable. That happens quite mm. a lot. And I don't mean like slacks or anything, you know. I just mean, you know, I'm wearing a sweatshirt and jeans because I'm writing today. Why would mm. I be wearing anything else? Mm. And you can adjust what you want to wear. If I see something that I like, I tend to just think, okay, that'll be that's fine yeah you know it doesn't really matter the other thing in the book that i loved was um and it all wraps up all of this really is um like the the what success means kind of throughout your life and like yeah. sometimes it will change and like you, you know when you look at someone like russell brand for example yeah. and he you can tell that he used to think success was yeah. fame money massive hair and then he's now i love him now success is very quiet life settling but down. also he's a recovered addict and so yes. that's very very different i think so if you are uh, an addict to whatever you are you know you can be addicted to a lot of things but mm-hmm. mostly it's drinking and yeah. drugs and he was if you have gone out a lot when you were younger uh, i'm not an addicted person but um which is not so that i've been addicted to like uh, cigarettes or anything like that i mean i have but i'm not a particularly addictive person mm-hmm. if you have an addictive personality or you become an addict then there's a point in your 30s and 40s where actually you have to deal with it really or you die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people die. And he he would have died. I mean, he just would have died. You know, that 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 in your 20s it's hard. I can now, because I'm older, look at people in their 20s and say, you, you look like to me like you've got a problem and you look like you haven't. But in your 20s, you can't tell. Everyone's just drinking and getting out of it all the time. There's no difference. And then when you hit... It's, a, it's weird when you hit your middle age because... Um, the habits that you have become almost more extreme. So if you're a fit person, you get more fit. And if you're a, 
if you're a drink and drug person that it takes more to get you out mm-hmm. of it and and it just becomes quite hard to deal with and you have to make a choice and it's not too hard you know i barely drink i don't take any drugs at all you know i just don't do any of that mm-hmm. anymore because i haven't really got the time and it doesn't really suit my lifestyle but i've got no moral objection to people mm-hmm. who have or you know yeah it's, it's a bit like you kind of um you get in, you carve grooves in your life or in your mind and as you get older those grooves get more and more pronounced so if you have a tendency to get feel thwarted and as though life is against you you will have that feeling really strongly in your middle age mm. and that doesn't mean you can't change it the thing that's really amazing about your brain is that you can change it all the time so if you have got that tendency actually you can make quite a lot of effort and change it mm-hmm. it will change and i find that quite useful in middle age really the idea that you can change your brain through doing other stuff yeah you know? it's, it's it's a hard time though for like comparison i need to talk mm. about that in the book because um, everyone's always compared themselves to everything, but yeah. now we, f- for the first time in decades, can like look on our phones and see fifty people's lives. Yeah, in <laughs> one bus journey is like, oh, I've just tapped into the lives of uh, yeah twenty different people, and that's yeah, that's hard. But you see, I found social media—it's like everything. Is it social media's got a really brilliant side and a really yeah awful side? And um, you know, obviously, if you're feeling down in the dumps, just don't go on social media. I would say just flatly just yeah. ignore it. Go for a walk. You know, go for a swim, watch some telly, do something, don't Mm -hmm. go on social media. Because what happens with social media, and people my age tend to use Facebook because we're old, uh, and Facebook, I mean, it's literally called a status update. You're telling everyone what your status is. (laughs) Hey, my status is great. (laughs) And so in that case, you know, you're essentially learning about people and their fantastic lives. You know, my kid did brilliantly in the exams. I'm winning an award. Here I am in a great restaurant. Look at my holidays. And those things, if you're feeling down in the dumps, can be terrible. But what you're doing is you're judging your insides by their outsides. And it's really important to remember that because somebody will have done it for you as well Mm -hmm. when you put something up. And, you know, you can't... It's not that that isn't true. That is happening, but it doesn't... You don't know what the situation is around that. You don't know. They might be on a holiday, literally, about on the brink of divorce. You mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah. You have no idea. And the other thing I'd say that's good about social media is, which I found when my um, daughter was young, was I found Twitter really useful because there seemed to be... And I know I'm aware that all social media changes, so maybe it was a time, but um, there seemed to be a lot of women on it. Mm or maybe it's just the people I followed, there were women on it who were really friendly and funny, who were interested in the same things I was. I couldn't leave the house, I've got a kid. You know, uh, it was like a little party I could join for a while. Yeah. And then come back if I want. And actually people, you know, I've made friends on Twitter. You know, those things mm. are quite important, really. And I think that people can be really snotty about social media, where actually I found it really useful and comforting yeah. on certain occasions and uh, uh, you know on as many occasions that I found it kind of like oh god my life is terrible you know it yeah. can be really helpful I think it's we're getting to that point now with it where it's like we're, we've messed around with it long enough to know what it is but now it's kind of you are taking it to your own hands and have a bit of willpower yeah. a around how much time but also like who you follow yeah because it's your fault i think it's it's your own fault if you're following something that makes you miserable it's just mute people i see mute really yeah. you know yeah. mute, then the people don't know need to know exactly i mute and then mute, I'm mute. Um, and if they're horrible block them obviously <laughs> but if just mute them you don't have to hear yeah it's fine exactly waffle on as much as you want <laughs> They don't need to annoy you anymore. You're not sitting next to them on the books. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. But has your, um, has your definition of success changed? It changed, you know, I'm certainly not somebody who is immune to the, the um, you know, 
prizes and medals of a capitalist society. So there is still part of me that feels like I'm a failure because I don't own a house in London. We live, we're in, you know, you're in my flat. It's, it's lovely, a lovely flat. It's a great flat. It's in Brixton. I like it. We have no outside space. And there is still part of me that feels like I've messed up. Mm. You know, I haven't got an outside space. But then, you know, really, we could move out. But mm. I don't want to live in Sydney. I want to live in Brixton, so shut up. So there's an element where that I did feel when I hit my 40s, I felt like, oh, and I looked around and there were people were like kind of, um, uh, I'm aware that the fridge is making a very loud noise, by the way. Um, anyway, so it's not my stomach, it's the fridge. <laughs> that I became aware that people who I thought were kind of at a similar level, I don't know what you want to call it, to me, suddenly they just own massive houses and uh, have some kind of successful business. And I was thinking, how did they do it? Like, when, when did they do that, is what I thought. Mm. I felt like I'd been sitting at the back of the class, like, having a bit of a laugh, and then everyone would pass their exams, you know? And, and you have to adjust yourself like that. But then, equally, I know loads of people whose marriage broke down or who got a terrible disease or who's, you know, had something awful happened to their kids. So, you know, really, you do get to the point where, actually, what is the alternative? You know, the alternative yeah. is poverty and death so you know actually you're not doing that bad you're still here your limbs haven't fallen off yet you might yeah. have a few aches and pains and not look quite as as you would like and not have as much money as mm. you'd hoped and certainly not have a pension no one has a pension can i just say that no one has a pension mm. no one has a pension so don't think you need a pension because no one has one although i would advise you if you were 20 perhaps you should do it but you know but never start thinking at like 39, oh, I better get a pension. Forget that. Either get it at 20 or just forget it. It's and also, weird. you know what happens if you have a pension? Like, say if you have a pension, I said, this is terrible. Take no, like, <laughs> ignore me. I'm not a financial advisor. But if you have a pension, like, say you build up a pension and then you drop dead, all that money just goes away. Can you not give it to someone? Well, they don't, like, you know, it's just gone. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Unless you, like, maybe if you're married or you've written it in, but like, if you haven't, just go, like, see ya. There's some, there's some amazing apps out there at the moment that um, round up your loose change on your card. Goes into an ISA to save. There's so much technology that I think pensions, like financial advisors need to get with the times and yeah. send emails that are funny or like interesting or like send a gif of like a puppy. Don't just send like a boring email, we'll delete yeah. it. Yeah, well definitely delete it. <laughs> the financial advisors are all having a tough time as well because they've all been forced to go freelance. So they used to be all in, you know, in firms mm-hmm. and stuff like that, they're all freelance now, so they're like, you know, in the gig economy. Yeah, so they're like all us. jumpy. Yeah. <laughs> you join the dark side, well yeah. done. Um, I must say, I did like the bit um, when Philippa Perry um, clearly so came around, yeah. chatted, and, and it's it's so lovely in the books. It's like you're just yeah, she um, sat there. reading, you're just kind of listening in on like a friends chatting. Uh, the bit about envy versus jealousy. Yeah, and that's the quite interesting. Okay, so I think this is quite interesting. So um, jealousy, this is what Philippa told me, I didn't know this before she told me, but the idea is that there's a difference between jealousy and envy. So jealousy is um, being very possessive about things that you own. So, you know, jealousy would be like, you don't want your fella talking to somebody else because, you know, they might take him away. And that's jealousy. And envy is when you see somebody and they're doing something, you think, oh, I'd like to do that. But what that does is locate kind of your desires. Mm. So if you look at somebody and you think, oh my God, they've written a play for the national. <laughs> then maybe you should just have a go and try and write a play. It might not yeah. end up at the national. So but it's you a know, really useful feeling. Then. It's a kind of useful feeling. Yeah. And the, the, the problem for me was <laughs> that I located my envy was money, which is just so tragic. <laughs> so I was locating and my envy was people with big glass boxes at the back of their house. And it's like... Well, actually, you're too old to do that now. <laughs> so you're just going to have to, like, get a lottery ticket and shut up. I, I don't, I'm not going to look back and regret all of the freelancing writing I've done no. because I, I've loved every minute of it. 
but then I'm I get jealous sorry yeah. envious of my f- best friend who's a lawyer she has so so much money she she just has a lot of things but do you want desk, to be a so, lawyer no and I don't like spreadsheets yeah exactly so, so you I can't surely it. I can't be jealous like or envious of that well what happens what's interesting in your 40s is that you what you find is that if you have been freelance like I am you're jealous of the person with the amazing house and garden and pension plan and whatever I don't know and um, you think, oh my god, that's amazing! And they're jealous of the fact that you, you know, went and interviewed the Beastie Boys in in LA. You know, there's, so there, there's kind of there's nobody's life is perfect, really. And you made those decisions, and you have to kind of own them and understand it. And also, I would say this to everybody: you know, we're really encouraged to to follow our dreams, and that's that's a lovely idea. But it's we're very bad at achieving our dreams. Because our dreams essentially are sold to us by capitalism. So, you know, they're really hard to achieve. It's really hard to be fantastic looking and tall and slim and have an amazing relationship and have a house that's worth millions and have children that do really fantastically and have a brilliant career. Those things are actually quite hard to achieve, Mm -hmm. you know. So acknowledge that they're quite hard to achieve and most people don't. You're being sold a pop, you know. It's not true that those things are really easy. You know, it really isn't. It's not that easy. And so don't beat yourself up if you don't achieve them because, yeah. because they're, they are dreams, actually. They're capitalist dreams and you, we can't achieve them. So if that's the case, then maybe think about stuff that you can achieve, you know, yeah. and that's fine. And just because they're little achievements doesn't mean that they're not achievements. They're, they're really important. And it'd be a shame not to um, acknowledge them. Yeah. Happening. Yeah, and, you know, the, I don't know. You know, I get a lot of joy from going on a cycle ride not to sound a hippie but you know I kind of cycle around London and I kind of think God, London's really amazing and look at this and that and people talk to you and those things I get a lot of pleasure out of really Mm -hmm. and I know that sounds like a kind of little old lady cycling along you know in the Cotswolds or whatever John Major had an idea about but you know there are other ways to judge your achievements I think experiences are are up there for me definitely yeah and I think it's quite interesting everyone wants to tick off experiences now Mm -hmm. don't they jump out of balloons and stuff yeah but then it that yeah it's like packaging up an experience but actually yeah. an experience is, is can be anything yeah just you know just you know try and live your life and just be aware that the dreams whatever they are if you let them cast too much shadow over your life it stops you living your life as it is as it is mm. you know this is your life as it is so try and enjoy it because yeah. that's the most important thing rather than thinking oh well, I will enjoy my life when I've done this because that might not happen, you know. Yeah, thank you. That's such a nice ending. <laughs> and go out a lot. Please go out a lot. It's really important. Go out. Right, I'm going to go out tonight. <laughs> thank you. If you like this episode, please remember to leave a review or a rating on iTunes. It would mean so much to me. Also, um, tweet me. I'd love to hear your feedback. So thanks so much again for listening. And make sure you tune in next week. <laughs>